children in this series on faith, and faith is in God through Jesus' Son by the Holy Spirit according to the truth of Scripture. I'm saying that faith is not a power we operate, faith is not focused upon an outcome, it's focused upon God, faith is Godward. Jesus said, have faith in God. And the whole of a Christian life is summed up by that scripture in Habakkuk. The just, the saved, the righteous person will live by his or her faith. Today we come to faith and healing. And uh, just to let you know that first thing this morning, I cut a couple of pages off my sermon because it was too long. And even though it probably looks too long. (laughs) um, We'll come back to it next week. Okay, with some practicalities, and I think to answer some questions. Let me just say now, in case I forget to say at the end, because I'll run out of time. If you have any questions from this morning, please fire them back at me. I won't answer them necessarily straight away. I'll make sure we deal with them next Sunday in, in bringing this, this to a, a very practical uh, how to how we go about praying for one another for healing. Now, a lot is preached about faith, and usually also about healing. And a lot of what is popularly preached and taught is, I believe, simply wrong. A lot of what is said about faith doesn't come from the Bible, but from power of positive thinking teaching that was popularized by Norman Vincent Peale in the 1950s with his book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Norman Peale was a church minister, but his writings weren't particularly Christian or biblical at all. The clue is in the book title, The Power of Positive Thinking. It's it's a typically American book of self-belief, self-help, and self-improvement. But some evangelicals and Pentecostals liked his stuff, and soon they were quoting him without telling you that they were quoting him. They coming out that it was their stuff, you know. Out of that beginning, 1950s, came the faith movement, or word of faith movement. The power of positive thinking turned into teaching about faith as a power, a bit like the force in Star Wars, you know, which you can access and use. I reject that teaching. That is not what the Scriptures teach us. Faith must have God as its object. And we Pentecostals have, from the beginnings at the start of the 20th century, and with roots going back much further, believed in divine healing. That is, our God can and does heal, but not automatically, and we cannot control his will and power. So I don't believe in faith healing, but divine healing. But the atmosphere of the faith movement is is of preachers outdoing one another, trumping one another, as you used to say, but trump means something else now. So preacher A says this, and preacher B goes further. Says, oh, I know he said that, but I'm going to say this. And then preacher C comes along and says, well, I know it's not in the Bible, but the Lord showed me this. And they're kicking up on one another all the time to say the more radical thing, the more tension-getting thing. So it was that some faith teachers went beyond a doctrine of divine healing and came up with a doctrine of divine health. If you have enough faith, you will never get sick. Have you ever heard that one? Some of those preachers claim they've never been ill, but people have sleuthed around and accessed their medical and hospital records, and not all their hospital visits were for for cosmetic surgery. Okay? 
The thing has got into a thorough mess. I looked up divine healing online and there were people advertising services there for all sorts of weird and wonderful things, Eastern mystical things, alternative medicines and alternative treatments, and calling it divine healing. Ah! Let me give you a definition of divine healing. Sorry, in a moment. Oh, here we are, yeah. Divine healing involves a supernatural act by God which resolves a physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual problem. Now, that was adapted from a, def a definition of divine healing on the internet, but it missed out God and it missed out mental. Healing is for the whole person, the whole of your human being. And it includes mental, uh, psychological issues as well. If it is divine healing, the deity did it. Not somebody else, not a preacher, not, not the person who prayed or laid hands on you. God did it yes, through faith in Jesus. I'm going to say this radical thing this morning, but it shouldn't be radical, it should be obvious. This. We don't heal people. Faith doesn't heal people. God heals people. He revealed himself to Israel in Exodus, I am the Lord who heals you. So we should have faith in God through Jesus that he will heal us when we ask him, we'll come to that in a few moments, from our illnesses. Now, a lot of people quote some phrases, some prophecies in Isaiah 53 as being automatic cast iron promises that we should be healed. Okay, we're going to deal with those now. Is healing in what's called the atonement? In other words, what Jesus did for us on the cross, the reconciliation with God the Father, the making of peace and the bringing to us of grace and all of God's goodness. Uh, everything comes to us by God's grace because Jesus died for us, with us, in our place. At the cross, the Lord Jesus reconciled us to God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God to us because the body and blood of Christ were given at Golgotha. It is pictured in the Old Testament in the bronze serpent that God ordered to be made and put up on a pillar in the Exodus. The people were being bitten by snakes because they were receiving the judgment of God, actually. God sent snakes among them, but there was a remedy. They could look at this bronze snake on a pillar, on a rod, and if they looked at the bronze serpent, they would be healed. Now, Jesus refers to that. Listen to this. And as Moses lift up the serpent to the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And the next verse is the one you all know. For God so loved the world. Yes? But firstly, he says, in the same way that serpent was raised up on that rod, on that pillar, so I will be raised up. Not raised up into Hulk glory, raised up on the cross. So that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. So Jesus there says, the issue with what I'm doing on the cross is bigger than this or this or this or this. It's eternal life. It's the whole of God's saving power. People often quote Isaiah 53 verse 5, by his stripes we are healed. But that's not picked up in the New Testament directly in relation to physical healings. 
And we need to be aware that the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. What does it mean? Let's find out what the Holy Spirit shows us it means as he opens up these things in the New Testament. Peter is the only writer who comments on that phrase and uses it more widely to speak of our whole redemption and salvation. For this you were called because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example um, that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, and so on who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Healed there is picturing the whole of God's gracious salvation. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Another phrase is from verse 4 of Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs or sicknesses and carried our sorrows or pain. Matthew's the only New Testament writer who picks up on that. And in Matthew 3.16, he says, 8.16, sorry, he says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word. I, like the, I think the word was go. And healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. When did Jesus take their infirmities and bear their sicknesses? When he dealt with them. Now, he dealt with them on the basis of what he was going to do on the cross, but that was where he was healing their diseases. He was actually doing it himself in person. In his healing ministry, Jesus was taking away from people their sickness and their pain. Now, there's an interesting comment in the account we have in Matthew and in Mark of a non-Jewish woman, a Gentile woman, coming to Jesus. Let me read to you from Mark. He arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he couldn't be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him, notice that, she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to the daughter, let the children be filled first. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. I think we'd all have been put off by that, wouldn't we? But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the little dogs on the table eat the children's crumbs. He said to her, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she'd come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Healing, including deliverance from demonic attack, is bread provided by the Lord for his children. Bread, Jesus did not say birthright. Bread is something that is given. Again and again, it comes out of my hand to your hand. If I give you something to eat, it comes from my hand to your hand, or I hand you the plate, so to speak. It's bread. Guess what Jesus taught us to pray in that pattern prayer? Say it with me. Give us this day our daily bread. Included in that is all the provision of God, all supply of God, every gracious thing he does again and again and again, including, I want to say, healing for my diseases. It's bread. And it comes and is delivered simply because we ask humbly for it. Our Father feeds us and provides for us. Healing is part of our vision. But it is not our right. It is not automatic it is not unconditional. 
I want to point you to a badge. You probably can't read around the edge of that badge there, but the middle says Foursquare Gospel Testimony, Jesus Christ at the top, Savior. Over on the right, Baptizer. Over on the left, Healer. Down at the bottom, Coming King. That's a badge from about 100 years ago, around the time when my great-grandfather was being ordained as an Ely minister, one of the first batch of Ely ministers in the UK. Uh, I didn't join Ely until my 50s, but there you are. That badge was common with a lot of Pentecostals, but, but the Foursquare Gospel is part of the title of Elim. Elim, as a registered charity, has this name. Elim Foursquare Gospel Alliance. That's the registered charity name. We are a Foursquare Gospel Pentecostal Church. Now, that came from the 1920s from America. There were a number of Foursquare Gospel churches and movements around. George Jeffries went on a visit to America, came back with that Foursquare label, and that's why it stayed to this day. And the American Assemblies of God, to this day, still have these four cardinal doctrines at their heading, and there are four Foursquare Gospel churches as well. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Healer. Jesus is Baptizer with the Holy Spirit, and he is coming King. He's returning King. He's, I don't believe he's going to bring, start his kingdom then. He completes his kingdom then, that's I differ a bit from traditional views on that, but never mind. Those things, four things aren't all the truth, but they are central truths to what we believe. And the second point is this, Jesus is healer. Even if we lay hands on or speak over people, it is not we who heal them, it's Jesus who heals them. About a fifth of the Gospels is about the healing ministry of the Lord Jesus. How did Jesus heal people? Because people want to come up with a technique. We do this and it works. We always do this and it seems to work sometimes. I'll tell you how Jesus healed people. All sorts of ways. He hardly ever did the same thing twice, it seems to me. He laid his hands on them. He spoke a word to them, such as you are healed or be loosed. He drove away evil spirits. He put mud on a blind man's eyes and told them to wash it off. He told paralyzed people to get up and walk. He told a man with a withered hand to stretch it out. You can't do those things unless God makes it happen, can you? You're paralyzed. Get up and walk. Your arm's withered. Stretch it out. What? He dealt with almost every person individually. He did not have a healing routine and he did not run a healing and deliverance conference or roadshow. And notice that Jesus was not just dealing with physical ailments. He was dealing with with demonic attack and probably mental illness as well. People want to say, I'm, you know, that's just my body, but this is my... Listen, we are unitary beings. The, the, the Bible way of thinking about this is we are, we are a body and soul, or a body and spirit, and soul and spirit used in, in Scripture, as one whole being. When I die, before Jesus comes, my soul, my spirit will go to the Lord until resurrection day when I get a body again. And I can be a whole human being again. That's the way God made us to be. All right? If you want to be a disembodied spirit floating somewhere in the universe for, for all eternity, I've got a surprise for you. It ain't happening. You're going to have a resurrected body, glorious body like Jesus. To be a human being with a body, a mind, a heart, a soul, or spirit is how God made us. And only God, by his word, can separate us into those constituent parts, Hebrews says. Illness, disturbance in any part of our being affects the whole of our being. When you're really ill, your brain doesn't want to function. 
and you do not feel good about yourself. And please don't ask me to give you any comment or make any decision because I might regret what I say. Because I'm, I'm down, I'm ill. Our thoughts and our emotions are connected to our physical being. Our final destiny is to be made whole in every way. Again. Meanwhile, let me just suggest to you there's a pattern here in Psalm 103. People use this as a promise of unconditional healing as well. But let me look, let's look at it. Psalm 103. This is David speaking. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from disruption. David is not claiming he never got ill. We know that isn't true. He's blessing the Lord for healing and restoring him when he did become sick. How did God heal him? By God's grace and power. When did God heal him? When David asked him and sought him. In the same way, he forgives all our iniquities. How does God forgive your iniquities, according to Scripture? When you confess them to him. When you ask him for his forgiveness. When there is an exchange, a dialogue with God that says, I'm really sorry, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. And help me, not, help me to get this sorted out. Yeah? Then you are forgiven. It isn't automatic. There is an asking, there's a process of faith worked out in dialogue with God. If that's how forgiveness works, how does healing work? Same way. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me out of my fear, out of my illness, out of whatever it is. So that's exactly how the New Testament tells us that the forgiveness works. I believe it's the same pathway to follow when seeking healing from God. We must come to the Lord and ask of him. We must at times seek him with diligence over some time. God is not a slot machine. His covenant of grace is not without some conditions. Stay unbelieving, unrepentant, and you will not be saved. Refuse to ask God for his help, and you may not be healed. It is the good gift of God through his covenant of grace, but we must come and ask. Give us this day our daily bread. I believe you have bread for me here, Lord. Please give that to me today. We believe that God, Jesus, is the healer. But we are not always healed. There are sick Christians mentioned in Jesmond, Epaphroditus and Philippians, Trophimus and 2 Timothy. And then we know that Timothy had a bad stomach at times and that Paul also had physical weaknesses too. There is no trick, no magic, no abracadabra, one thing fixes it and does it in this matter of healing. Sickness comes in different ways at different times and healing from the Lord comes in different ways at different times. Firstly, God has designed your body to fix, yeah, to deal with illness, to, for a wound to heal, for your body to produce antibodies and deal with the disease. And if you're healthy enough, you will get it through. So he's designed our bodies to naturally have that capacity. He's given us medical science, and I'm not in any way this morning rejecting or criticizing medical science. He's given us medical science. Thank God for these vaccines. I do. But alongside of that too, there is for us Christians a further level of asking and seeking the Lord. We look to Jesus. We come to Jesus. When 
and how were people healed by Jesus in the Gospels? Very simple. When they came to him and when they asked him. And sometimes if they didn't ask him, Jesus would provoke them to ask him. Blind men shouting out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. Walks over to them. What do you want me to do? You know, the disciples would have thought, would have thought, what's he even talking about? They're blind. <laughs> he wanted them to ask. Yes. Because it was a little link of faith that said, Jesus, we're looking to you. We're asking this of you. Jesus reached out and, or they sometimes, you know, pressed, one lady pressed through a crowd and touched him. I'll talk about that next week. There isn't time this morning. Believing centurion says, uh, please heal my servant. Oh, I'll come to your home. You don't need to come to my home. You can issue the order here. She said, what? This man's got amazing faith. <laughs> he actually believes I could just speak the word and it will happen. People came to Jesus and he would ask them, what do you want? We're to ask and to seek and to knock. And sometimes we need to be persistent in asking and seeking. And like that Gentile woman, you know, she kept on asking. Finally gave her a kind of dismissive answer. But she bounced back at him. Ask and seek and knock. But you know, the problem with a lot of us Christians is we, 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 we're, we, we think like Naaman the leper. How many of you know the story of Naaman the leper going to Elisha? And in the name of the leper, he, sent, he ends up outside Elisha's door, and Elisha sends a message, said, go and wash in the Jordan six, seven times. And the words of Naaman are very interesting. He said, I thought the man of God would wave his hand and say some words, and it would all happen. To this day, all sorts of Christians think, all they want to do is they want to get the man of God to wave his hand and say some words, and it'll be fine. Naaman had to do something that showed faith and obedience. Yes. Amen. And sometimes we want to put all the faith and obedience on somebody else and not do, nothing, do nothing ourselves. Amen. According to your faith, be it unto you. I believe that healing is to be sought and asked. Now, we, do you know what? We're very good at doing this when things get really serious. You know, when the word cancer comes in or something like that. We go, ooh, let's pray. I would just want to suggest to you today, let's pull the barrier back. Let's pull the tripping point back through life. So we're not waiting until it gets really dire before we remember to pray for God's healing. Let's bring it back into more of the ordinary level of life. Yeah? Let's, 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 let's stop putting up with things. Let's, you know, Carol's been telling me about that. My attitude to putting up with some things. Thank you, Carol. Uh, According to your faith, we need to seek him. Now, I've trimmed down this talk for today. And uh, I'm going to say some more things next week. And I'm just flicking through here, and I think I'm done. But now, yes, that's it. That's right. Let's go back to the serpent, because we're going to, I'm going to put an image up of a statue. I think it's in Israel, a sculpture, which is, points to that Nehoshatan, it was called, this bronze serpent on a pole. The lesson of Exodus is that he who called us out of this world will take us through this life to the life to come. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yes. And along the way, through this life, when we call upon him, when we turn to him, when we look to him, he will deliver us and help us and heal us along this journey. 
but it, it is a journey of faith. We live by faith. And we need to think about how we handle when we get ill and say, I'm not going to wait until it's really serious and the doctors can't do anything before I learn how to pray about it. We've forgotten how to pray for healing. Uh, let me just say this this morning. I'll remember say it again next week. I had the privilege as a young Christian in the 70s, far from the late 60s, well, I was, I, was, I was converted in 73, so it was the 70s, yeah. Of meeting and having time with some early Pentecostals, first-generation people around in the 1920s, second-generation people who got going in the 1930s, 40s. And I might mention some of their names next week. And I can tell you this. There was a simplicity about them. And they believed in divine healing, but they weren't anything like the people who mostly talk about it today. I remember every one of them had just a simple, deep but simple belief that what we needed to do was look to Jesus and call on Jesus, and he is the healer. So I'm going back to my roots. I want to ditch the nonsense, and I want to recover something that I think we've rather forgotten. Jesus is a healer, yet we don't have all the answers Not everybody gets healed. And healing is not an automatic, unconditional promise. It's something we need to take hold of and pray through. What might we begin to see if only Jesus would really get the honor? Amen? Amen. We're going to break bread together.